0: remember a few weeks ago when we went through unfolding the Great Commission and um, in Acts 13:14 we saw the way that that unfolded what Jesus had told the disciples about going and making disciples and baptizing and <coughs> teaching them to obey whatever Jesus had commanded them <coughs> and then we looked at, um, at uh, uh, the, the, the process of uh, how the, the apostles have been sent out uh, they evangelized strategically by finding points of contact Form congregations, and then they appointed leaders over those congregations to nurture those congregations, uh, to bring them up in the and uh, the in the, in the word of God, and then uh, they reported back on what God had done. <clears throat> and then we looked at Titus and Titus two and three in particular for how the Lord had had uh, had told Titus to prepare those churches there to. Um, uh, uh, begin to implement a, implement a foundation, a powerful platform for their witness and how they live and to be zealous about uh, the, the new life and the good deeds that to flow out of uh, the fact that Jesus had saved them and showed his grace and mercy to them. And then we looked at Colossians 4 about the words that we need to speak here to the unbelievers, to so those that Paul says are without uh, the unbelieving uh, world here, and how we're to uh, have our speech always with grace, seasoned with salt, and knowing how to answer every man. And we looked in First Peter chapter three again. Uh, it, it, the, the preceding life uh, there that that uh, provides a powerful platform here, and and who we are in Jesus, and how we are to live out these truths of of what it is to be to have life in Jesus. But then, in 1 Peter three, of of being prepared, being ready to always give an answer of anyone who asks the reason of the hope that is within us. And then we looked in the book of Acts at how God prepares households and homes and families as real mission bases for this task of making disciples. And um, and uh, God uh, has has said, "You're not to me. You're not going to be a hearer of this." Uh, You're not going to be just the one who's uttering these words, these platitudes here. Uh, You're going to be a doer of these things. And let me tell you how God provided an opportunity for our family um, uh, by his grace and his kindness to us uh, and uh, put something in our lap that we just uh, could not ignore. Um, Some of you know that we live in North Union, about two miles up off the North Union Road. And uh, we, there's, there's, there's three farms. They were all dairy farms, but that's changed over the years. Three farms that are around us. And one of those farms that's closest to us, his hay field, is kind of our backyard. Uh, stone wall between our backyard and, uh, and his hay field. Well, that farm was recently sold and purchased by a couple who uh, moved into town uh, from another place in Maine. And it was a dairy farm, and now it's going to be uh, a meat farm. We're raising, built the Galloways and pigs and chickens. And, uh, and so um, uh, we've uh we've, we've waved said hi as we, as we would go by to the new farmer and uh, his wife and their, their children um, <coughs> who live with them. But uh, we, we really hadn't got much further than that. And a few weeks ago, on our neighbor, uh, neighborhood email chain... Someone mentioned that this particular farmer, uh, his name is Skip, uh, had had a sinus infection that um, turned into some kind of disease that began to paralyze his body. And so, uh, the call to help was: Can you, can folks in the neighborhood, send some meals down to these, 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 uh, these folks who uh, have some needs? Um, his wife works at the school district and doesn't get home. Uh, they're not eating supper till nine or nine thirty because of all the all the catching up on the chores and stuff that she'd have to catch up on because he wasn't able to do these things and and, um, and so could we be helped? So um, my my wife put together a, a, a simple meal and we went down and delivered it to to Skip. And um, here's here's the thing that kind of brought all these. Uh, truths that we looked at Lympho and unfolded the Great Commission together. Um, <clears throat> we knocked on the door. Skip answered me and told him we we're going to bring a meal. By the way, it's not, my wife would tell you, that's not a lot of work for uh, just double what we're making, right? He gave the other, the rest of it to to, to, uh, to Skip and his family. Knocked on the door. Skip came to the door knew we were coming. And uh, he. We introduced ourselves on a, on, a, on a deeper, more personal level, and uh, he started to share his story and uh, some difficulties in life he had faced, and uh, then then this particular uh, disease that he had faced, um, which it apparently is being reversed, and tried to find uh, answers from doctors, and uh, finally there was a doctor who came across his wife that had the same thing, and he knew exactly what it was, and, and so he's making progress every day in getting his, his movement back, and but it's still still not, not quite there yet, but much, much improved. But he said this, I've been a farmer for 30, 40 years, so I've never really had to ask for help. This is the first time in my life that I've had to ask for help. And when he said that, uh, we began to realize that our God, who has no things happen by chance has taken a man who has now experienced a crisis in life and something that he's never experienced before. You know how it is to ask for help, right? And he has intercepted somehow our family with them. Uh, we are the closest um, uh, neighbor in our little email chain to them <coughs> here. And so we began to listen to his story. And uh, he, was, he was visibly moved by the fact that you know, someone would just come by and bring them a meal. Uh, you know, it wasn't family. Um, and uh, we uh, we said, hey, by the way, I've got, I've got two teenagers living at my house. and <laughs> They're uh, certainly capable of helping with some chores and stuff. They need help, and I can help as well. Um, I'm the pastor of South Hills Community Church. Um, that's a church down there on Route 17. Oh, yeah, I drive past there. And uh, I was relieved he didn't, uh, you know, Pushed me away. He still was willing to talk to me here, and, and seemed to be very open. Um, and uh, and and he he was he, he began to, to weep. Um, that uh, that somebody cared to bring him a meal mm-hmm. and to volunteer their services. And I thought that's not a sacrifice on my part. That's not a hard thing. Well, the next day um, he came by our house and brought home. Um, the pans and the, the pots that he used, and, um, and a couple dozen eggs uh, from his chickens. And then the next day, uh, he came back, and um, he drove up on his gator, and they brought his, his daughter, and um, his daughter wanted to meet my daughter, and they're 11 years old. And so they played together. He gave my kids rides around the hay field uh, there on his gator, and then uh, Caden went down and, and played at the farm. He left us his phone numbers. And uh, that's right now where we're at. Mm -hmm. But I'm praying that God takes the next step and gives me opportunities to speak to him about his eternal life. Mm -hmm. Um, God is not willing that any should perish. And all who don't know the Lord are under his wrath and his judgment and have sinned come short of his glory. And uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, intersecting with them, uh, inviting them over to our house for a meal, um, kind of finding out what makes Skip tick, Skip and Karen, and uh, being able to share, um, by God's grace, uh, how God's made me tick uh, here. And um, I say that to say to you that... um, God's in the business of doing this and this really is through just simple, I mean that was no sacrifice in our farm. Through simple things like this, God's opened up doors that didn't exist. Now, I tried to have interactions with the previous farmer who owned that farm and didn't really get very far. Um, uh, and that's, that's fine, maybe somebody else will, right? Maybe God used somebody else there, but He's put us in close proximity here of this particular man and it reminds us here of um, a few truths that kind of converge with a story like that. And so what I'd like you to do is turn to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22. I want to talk about (coughs) God's purposes. Getting back to the basics here. God's purposes and uh, His plan for church body life. Matthew 22, and verse 35, then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting or testing him, and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Second is like to it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. In other words, every fiber of your being. Every fiber of your being. What does it mean to love God? To love God. I mean, that that's just... A, a phrase we use so much and the Bible uses, what does it mean to love God? To love God. And part of the answer to that question is understanding what that word love means. He said there's two things here. There's the, there's the, there's the first command to love the Lord your God and the second like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. And everything and this is a clothesline that everything is attached to. This is it. This is it. And so, as he began to study this word "love," which you have probably understand as the word, uh, 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 it's the noun "agape" and here as a verb form, it's "agapeo." It means this. <clears throat> and you probably can't read this, which is why I gave you the handout here. But it's to have a strong, non-sexual affection. The world thinks of love as a sexual thing, right? Limited to that, that's that's actually another Greek word, eros. That's a different form of love. But a love for a person and their good is understood by God's moral character, especially characterized by a willing forfeiture of rights or privileges in another person's behalf. When we think about it with the relationship of our, our love to the Lord, it's this idea. It's everything that Jesus said a disciple is. A disciple of Jesus Christ denies himself, right? And he takes up his cross and he follows Jesus. He's setting aside his so-called rights and privileges to follow a new master. Um, it, is, it is the, 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 uh, the principles in, in Luke where he says, uh, uh, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. It is a focus. On God, and a, and a, such a focus on God that any obstacles between me and my relationship with God, I'm going to move those aside. Things that I think I might want to do, my flesh, etc. Here, I'm going to put those things off, and to be renewed in my mind of what who God is and what He has made me to be. And I'm going to follow Jesus, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment, and then. Attached to it, because how are you going to love the Lord your God without obeying the Lord your God, right? Is this second one, thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. We can't love God vertically here. We can't have this vertical love here if we are not loving our neighbor on a horizontal level. In fact, John puts it this way. And and talking about how we are to uh, love one another as members of the body he says if you can't love each other who you have seen how can you love God whom you have not seen right and so he doesn't put this big wedge between those two things there's the Lord here right puts them together like two pieces of a sandwich right here, uh, on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. This is the clothesline that everything is hung off of here. So it is a it is a love for a person and their good is understood by God's moral character, especially characterized by a willing forfeiture of rights or privileges in another person's behalf. <clears throat> Remember what Jesus said in John thirteen, thirty-four, because we're getting into um, body life in Ephesians chapter 4 and this is going to come up again speaking the truth and love but Jesus said this to his disciples that night after he had showed what setting his rights and privileges aside looked like when somebody's on death row they ask them what would you like for your last meal, right? try to throw them one more bone, right? try to give them one good one good thing before they execute the criminal Jesus last night is washing filth of the dirt of Jerusalem street and probably animal feces off his disciples feet and he's doing it as an example to them and he does all that to show what love is and in John 13, 34, he says, The new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. Not like the old commandment that said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But he says, as, here's a new qualification, right? That ye love one another as what? I have loved you. Whoa. That just raises it. a level, doesn't it? How had Jesus loved them? Well, he had washed their feet, he had served with them, right? And the next day he's going to give his life for them. That you love one another as I have loved you, to the extent of even giving your life. That you also love one another. And then he says this, I'm going to give the unbelieving world permission here to make an assumption about you. And the assumption is this. They will associate you as being my learners and followers, my disciples, when they connect the love that you have for one another. It was a powerful thing. He gave the world permission to do that. Amen. But Jesus doesn't just want a sheltered, limited few, right? His heart is for the world, for the nations. And so Jesus gave another commandment right before he left. Technically his last command in a certain sense, right? Before he physically left this earth. And he said in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then he's going to say this, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, the word teach, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe or obey all things whatsoever I have commanded you, lo, my presence is with you. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world or the age. Amen. He gives a commission here. And so I think when you put these commands together, what you have is, if we're going to love the Lord our God with all our heart, and we're going to love our neighbor, and we're going to love one another as, as, uh, as, as he has loved us, one of the ways we do that, the key way we do that here, is by making disciples. Making disciples. Which covers two things, doesn't it? How do you make an unbeliever a disciple? Well, the Holy Spirit's the one who ultimately does that, Right? But our role here is to what? Is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Evangelism. Right? So making disciples covers two E's. It's, it's ingenious that Jesus says, make disciples, because it covers everything, doesn't it? So it requires contact. It requires points of contact. It requires evangelizing, right? Sharing the gospel. It requires loving and a uh, 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 kindness to others. And, and, and it also requires a relationship that does, doesn't stop, right? At evangelism, that relationship continues with that second edification, building up, establishing, strengthening that that uh, that new believer in the word of God because after they are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, they they, they have been united with the triune God, this baptism represents. They have a fellowship, relationship with the Trinity here. They're included in this eternal fellowship that the Trinity has had for all eternity. They're included in that. This this baptizing, this visible sign here. That's what's happened to them. And he says in verse twenty, what? Teaching them to what? Learn information. Learning information is part of it, isn't it? We've got to know things before we can obey them. But what's the point of it, right? Being not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Teaching them to obey all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And Jesus says, and I'm going to be with you always, even in the end. By the way, he doesn't guarantee results, does he? That's what he says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. Through his Holy Spirit, particularly making disciples of all nations. And so you have this... this, this uh, you, you could look at it, like I said, like the clothesline, that everything is, is hung on here, or you could look at it as the foundation of this pyramid that you're, you're building on here. But how does this then apply to body life uh, here in relation to what he said in John 13, 34? You love one another as I loved you. Uh, by this shall I am know you are my disciples. You have loved one to another... How does it relate here to our specific topic that we've been looking at in Ephesians 4 here, of how we're connected to one another? And that kind of begs the question, well, one another, right? One another. That's a phrase that you that's used in the Old Testament a hundred times in 94 New Testament verses. This research was not done by me, this is by a website called Overview of the Bible here. Put together this infographic here. But there are a hundred One another commands in the New Testament. What's interesting is if you look at them and categorize them, you're going to see uh, some common themes. Some common themes of what we just talked about. Love God and love others. Love God and love others. Notice that one third of these one another commands deal with unity of the believers unity of the believers. Be at peace with one another. Don't grumble among one another. Be of the same mind with one another. Accept one another. Wait for one another before the Lord's Supper. Don't bite, devour, and consume one another. Don't challenge or envy one another. Gently and patiently tolerate one another. Be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving to one another. Bearing with and forgiving one another. Seeking good for one another. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't complain against one another. Confess sins to one another. One third of them. One third of these hundred. Right? And then, one third of these commands instruct Christians to love one another. This one's repeated often, often in several places. Love one another. Just like Jesus had told them in John chapter 13. Through love, serve one another. Tolerate one another in love. Greet one another with a kiss of love. That's the idea of simple greeting. Cultural uh, a greeting in that day was a, was a salutary kiss on the cheek. Be devoted to one another in love. Let your love be without hypocrisy. Paul says in Romans 12. You, do, you, do you get what he's saying with that one? Let your love be without hypocrisy. Hey, so good to see ya! Right? Uh, I'm going to see him again. Right? (laughs) Let your love be without hypocrisy. So that's the second category of the one another's here. And then there's another category, because this won't happen unless this is true. Humility. Humility. Uh, an and to 15%, stress an attitude of humility and deference among believers. Putting yourself under, right? Washing one another's feet there in John 13. Give preference to one another in honor. Don't be haughty. Be of the same mind. Serve one another. Being subject to one another. Submissive to one another. Regarding one another is more important than yourselves. Philippians 2. Clothing yourselves in humility toward one another. So, right away you have Jesus commands to the church body um, uh, 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 cover these three main categories unity, love, humility. Interesting, isn't it? And then here's others here that probably could also, there's some overlap here, but here's the others. Don't judge one another, don't put a stumbling block in a brother's way. Greet one another with a kiss. Husbands and wives, don't deprive one another of physical intimacy. Bear one another's burdens. Speak truth to one another. Don't lie to one another. Comfort one another concerning the resurrection. I would add the return of Christ. Encourage and build up one another. Stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Pray for one another. Be hospitable to one another. Teach and admonish one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, here's the key. Here's the thing about all these commands. You don't have to have a master's of divinity to do this. The newest believer, and many times the newest believers are some of the most passionate about obeying the Lord Jesus, aren't they? Uh, From the youngest child in here, they can practice these things, right? Practice these things as ones who have received Jesus' grace. Now you might say, well, how do you practice these things? Some of these things I don't see necessarily geared toward. They're not my thing. And that's kind of the point, isn't it? They're Jesus' thing. And Jesus has put his life in you as a new believer. But I think the scripture shows us that we have gifts that will help us, uh, uh, that, that we will express these commands in different ways through. okay, And so last week I... Uh, As we went through Ephesians 4 and talked about how God has given every believer a gift, a way to serve him, that will figure more prominently uh, than others. Um, I mentioned to you that uh, here's some practical tips for finding out what your gift is. Study the lists. Study the lists of gifts. And here are the gifts that uh, uh, one particular website listed here. Um, I think it was minitools.com or something like that. Here you have uh first Peter four is the shortest list. It talks about our words being the very words of God, the oracles of God. Uh and then uh uh serving, serving according to the ability that God gives. So you have word and deed. Then in Romans twelve, various gifts of exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy, prophecy, service, teaching. And 1 Corinthians 12 lists the gifts of administration, apostle, discernment, faith, healings, help, knowledge, miracles, prophecy, teaching, tongues, tongues interpretation, wisdom. Ephesians 4 that we looked at, apostle, prophecy, evangelist, shepherd, teaching. And then uh, this particular website listed some that talk about a particular role or a particular uh, thing that you do as offering a a gift as well. Some of these are up for debate. Here, it's not the point, it's to make you think here, this morning, uh, here, but, but um, uh, you'll notice that there's some that are repeated a couple times, and I put those in bold and italics uh, here, some, uh, some repeated in, in about three lists, but regardless, have you ever thought about what these gifts are, what these gifts are? This particular individual <coughs> uh, gave some definitions to these gifts that they see in Scripture, and I think they might be helpful if you would read through those, maybe to figure out the way that, that, that God has gifted you. I think some of these things have, have certainly dwindled down uh, and and are not uh, as prominent as they were in the book of Acts. Uh, they are, you uh, haven't seen them practice. And some of them are going to be more normal and practice much more. Um, Probably a, a, a big difference, right, between uh, uh, the, the, the gift of uh, administration or exhortation and seeing the, the frequency that that comes up and then the gift of tongues, right? <laughs> so far in my life, I haven't heard the gift of tongues personally. And maybe that's changed forms. Maybe it's someone like Connie or Bert who's really good at languages. I don't know actual languages. Um, but that's not the point. The point is what's your gift? What's your gift? And as was mentioned um, last week, uh, one of the things that needs to be true of your spiritual leaders is to ask that question and help you think through it. So here's some tools here to put in front of you. By the way, there's on the, uh, online there's spiritual gift surveys and you can answer questions and you know, supposedly come up with your spiritual gift. Some of those are helpful. Some of them not so much. But at the very least, maybe they'll help you think about, hmm, How has God designed me? And remember, when God gave you a gift, who was He really giving it to? He was giving it to the church. He's giving a gift to the church through you. Through you. You're the vehicle of that gift. And so I'm just challenging you here to really think through uh, particular gifts, the way that God has given you, because it is a way to serve and build up the body. It is a way to do these one another's. It is a way to love the church as Jesus loved the church. Now, it really brings us to some truths about us as disciples of Jesus Christ that I want us to, to think about here this morning. This is a map here of uh, just about every one of our families in our church in Knox County. All right? Oh, there's my house. Um this is where we live, right? Now, Bruce and Liz, you're outside Knox County, and uh, Charlie and Becky over there, and frozen Land uh, there. Um, but this, generally, here, this is, this is, this is, this is, this is our area here. This is our Jerusalem, isn't it? God's given us a primary stewardship of Jerusalem. God hasn't given us a primary stewardship of Taiwan. God hasn't given us a primary uh, stewardship of the county, right? Or Bangor. This is our stewardship here. This is our stewardship. And God's put us all in different places. Now you might notice on that map, that I had Tara put this together because I was curious. Where do we live? Where do we live in our county? And um, by the way, if you're on the fringes of this map, you know exactly who you are, don't you? <laughs> And all the clusters here, we're trying to figure out which ones mean here. But I uh, generally I see some clusters in Warren. See a little little cluster there in the Rockland area, right? Uh, there's a cluster here in North Union and Washington, and and uh, and, a, and a little cluster up there in Appleton. And then there's a cluster right over here, right, <laughs> in the Hope and Union and Rockport area here. Do you think God wants to reach those areas through these clusters? Yeah, I think he does. Um, A few weeks ago, well it's a few weeks ago now, it's like several months ago, beginning of the new year, one of the things we did was we prayed through certain um, uh, topics and themes, kind of worked from a global more to a local theme here. And we got together on one of those times um, with people in our own towns in this church, and we prayed together for those parts, those towns. So people in Rockport um, got together and prayed for Rockport. And that God would use them in their particular town. People in Washington, uh, people in Union. Union might have one of the bigger representations. People in Warren, et cetera. And as I was praying as a resident of Union <coughs> for my town with those others in Union, Doris and Dwayne and and uh, Heidi, or no, not Heidi. Curtis, um, uh, you were with a teen, so you weren't there. Um, those, are, those are my union people. <laughs> Peter, yep, and uh, Jason, Sarah, Lynn, others were, were representing union uh, here. Um, the Lord actually began to really do something in our hearts when we were praying together. I had a few people come and say, you know what, for the very first time, I felt connected to this church in a deeper way than I ever had before. And I began to reflect on that. And I recently took uh, a, a seminar on uh, disciple-making uh, cultures in our churches and uh, began to think, you know what? The reason we're able to connect on a deeper level is we just did something very simple by praying for our talents, that God would use us in our towns to keep... To to help make Union Maine be a hard place to go to help from. The reason God did something during that time is because all of a sudden, He put His mission in front of us. Instead of our own ideas and our own, you know, things that we like or enjoy, He put a task and a purpose in front of us. And He said, I want you to pray and focus on that. And you know what? Other things begin to melt away and God's heart for the nations specifically uh, his heart with our responsibility and roles in union or wherever your town was began to grow large and that's all we did, we prayed that's all we did, we did not take next steps and go after that here. but here I want to suggest you a next step Okay? how about If people in your towns, or in your towns, or maybe you're close to another town, maybe you're the only person in Lincolnville, right, Bruce and Liz, but you're closer to some other people in Camden or whatever, Uh, and and you got together and you prayed for your towns and you began to write down on paper lists of five names of each individual uh, represented in that little group. There, five names of people the Lord's putting on your heart to pray for, to see them come to the Lord Jesus, and then as that group. Uh, then, then you begin to discuss uh, uh, how, what are some ways we can serve those individuals, be a blessing to them. All the same time, uh, the, the whole time praying that God works in their hearts and gives us real good opportunities to share the gospel. And what if these little clusters and communities, maybe of four to, you know three, three or four families getting together, uh, began to to catch this this idea that you know what? Our our town, our region is my responsibility. I'm responsible for it. And God has put, like we talked about last time with the gifts here, God has put a, a sphere of ministry in my life here. And I'm going to partner together with some other people who uh, feel called by God to, uh, and really sense his, his burden and his passion to reach people and to use us as believers for the sake of the gospel. We're going to pray together and then we're going to put some feet to our prayers and we're going to look for ways to intentionally bless and serve those people, maybe their particular needs or maybe even just simply bless them. And give an opportunity to say, "Hey, we'd like to serve and bless you here if you'd allow us to leave this with you or to uh, or to help you with this, because this is what Jesus has done for us, and here's the way he's specifically done it for us." And give opportunities for the sake of the gospel. I think that would help do a couple things. First of all, it would start to provide a track for us to run, Hearing all the things that we know that we need to do: make disciples, right, be a witness. Uh, love each other, see each other's gifts flourish, right? And it's kind of all out there, right, in a big cloud. But when you start to put feet on the ground, these things kind of come together. And so I can say, hey, you know what, Sarah Lynn, you're really good at decorating and you got this this real knack for, for presentation and, and, and maybe... Uh, there's something you could put together here for this particular family. Uh, Jay, you just got these skills right here that the Lord's given you that's a waste that serve and open doors here. And uh, and and can we help and support you with that and and see what God's gonna do with this particular person? It's a powerful thing, isn't it? Because if all we're gonna depend on is us coming here at you know 9 a.m or eleven o'clock, right? Sitting and saying, Hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? Good, good, good. Okay. See you next week, right? That's limiting, right? God, all the rest that God wants to do. That's good. We need to come together. And I just shared how I think it's important for us to come together as the assembly here. But that's not the end of it, right? That's part of it and a very important part of it. But He wants to scatter us and send us out. And so. What if we got together and have dinner together and we begin to s- discuss and strategize these things? And I say all that to then close with this reading from Ephesians chapter 4. In the exposition next week, Ephesians 4 12 through 16 here, I, I trust we'll start to see kind of reversing it here. I'm saying here's some applications here. Um, and the next week will be, here's the, the doctrine behind this. Here's what God's trying to do through this. Kind of going backwards. But Ephesians 4, verse 12. He's given these roles here in verse 12. where the perfecting, the word is the equipping the like use of a, 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 a fishing net that would be um, have holes in it, or or some lines broken, knitted together, or a broken bone set in place. In other words, there's something that needs to, to get better, right? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till so we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. <coughs> To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Which tells us there's no church that's arrived, right? Isn't that comforting? (laughs) Isn't that comforting? There's no church. They've made it. No matter how zealous or spiritually minded uh, or or on fire for God that church is, there's still room to grow in the full measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So he returns, right? Or we go... That we hereafter be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine or teaching by the sleight of men, trickery, and cunning craftiness, cleverness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together, and held together or compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effective working and the measure of every part, makes increase of the body to the edifying the building up of itself in love. When you read these verses, do you see, see staticness, you know, just frozenness? Or do you see warmth and movement and growth and something happen? Remember those seven churches that the Lord writes those letters to, and they open their mailbox, So they got a letter from a risen king, an evaluation letter. And a couple of them, he says, You guys just keep doing what you're doing, be pressing and be faithful, real quick. And I think five of them, he says, You better change this. You better change this. I'm the one who walks among the churches has candlesticks. His eyes, right? Gazing and evaluating here. Because he has such a heart and passion for his church to be who they are to be. And if he does, then you and I have that same heart as well. Not a critical way. But to build on what the Lord has already done. And so I just wonder... Um, this morning a couple of you as you feel that just pray the Lord continues to do these things in our midst He's united us with Jesus He made us a new creation and He sent His Spirit to live in us minister the life of Christ to and through us in word and in deed. We are a sent people. Commissioned. That gives us purpose. And my life's purpose isn't bound up in my and you know my, my my job or where I get my paycheck, right? Now I totally see that way I get my paycheck as a sphere of ministry here. A way that I can serve, a way that I can show the character of Christ. A way that I can give a reason of the answer of the hope that's in me, right? And moms, your day isn't just a day where you're just trying to survive. It's, sometimes it feels like that, right? But this is a way that God's given you in this particular realm to a uh, real focus here making little disciples, right? And then using your mom connections to connect with those who don't know the Lord, right? Or to build up others, right? And it's a paradigm shift, right? That Jesus and his purposes in the church are this at the center here, and all these other things are in relation to it. Rather than i got this, and i got ball games, and i got this and that, and oh, i got to add Jesus and his purposes in the church on that. Right. that. That's, that's not it for Ephesians 3. Mm-hmm. He's put the church and his purposes for it, and your design at the center, and the other things are to flow and correlate, relate.